I, um, so we're, I'm going to pick up this morning where we left off last week, and the topic that we're talking about uh, is faith. And, and almost in me saying that, the topic that I'm talking about is faith, there's almost there's like a slight shudder that goes through my, um, uh, my being because the topic of faith is, uh, has been so misused or so misdiagnosed or so misidentified or so... Uh, I, I don't know, but, but abused. That, that's what I'm looking for. And, uh, and so in saying that, I, my concern is that for those of us who have been, who have sat under the abuses of this thing that we called faith, uh, could, could have the same reaction or response to you, and I don't want that to happen. And, uh, and so I, let me just tell you, I, I am no expert on, on the subject of faith. This is not an ex- exhaustive uh, uh, teaching on faith, but it is going to pick up where we left off last week. And I feel like what the Lord is doing is it's a, it's a line upon line, precept upon precept that, that the Lord is actually building on. And so if you have your Bibles, if you would, if you turn to Mark 11, verse 24, and if you will grant me grace to repeat something that you might have already heard, but with the intent that we all are on the same page for us to go to where I'm wanting to go today. Um, uh, and so we, we, we read this last week and we've been reading it. We've, this is not the first time that, or the second time that we've talked about this. But Jesus says, so I tell you, when you pray for something, believe that you have already received it, then it will be yours. And the, the, the issue, or the, the, the thing that I talked about was this verse in itself is a bit of a, uh, it's a bit of a riddle. It doesn't read right. Like there's some curviness to it. And it just when you, if you're trying to follow the logic of Jesus, it, it takes a hard left and then a hard right. Uh, in, in that he says, when you're, he's given us instructions, when you're praying for something, which we, uh, we believe that you have received it, you've already received it, then it will be yours. And so what, the, what I brought out was, is what I'm pointing to are the three tenses, the verb tenses that Jesus specifically uses to illustrate and to make his point in this verse. There's something, there's a reason, because I think I've told you this before, in my honors English class, uh, I, 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 I've made some faux pas where I blended the, uh, the, the verb tenses and got marked off for it. I was like, no, you can't, my English teacher said, no, you can't do that. If you start with a verb tense, you have to finish the sentence out with a verb tense. And here Jesus is saying, so when you pray for something, believe that you have already received it, then you will have it. It's like, that's kind of, oh. This is, this is weird. And the, the, the issue here is that it goes totally counterclockwise to the way that we're wired. The way that I'm wired, the way that you're wired is, is when I'm praying for something, I believe that I receive it. I, I believe that I receive it, but in the believing that I receive it, I revert over to this area, this place over here called the visible to see if I have it. Otherwise, how else will I know that I have it unless it's made visible? And, and what Jesus is saying is, is in this verse, is that when you're praying for something, believe that you've already received it. Well, for me to believe that I've already received it and I don't have it, it makes whatever I'm praying for invisible, right? Y'all have permission to say yes, right? Yeah. Go jump in the lake. I'm just kidding. But 
invisible. So it's like, I, this is so weird. How, how do I believe that I have something that I can't grab onto? And this is the dilemma. So we talked about last week, when we revert over to the visible realm, when I, when I pray, Lord, I, uh, I've used this enough, I want, I, I want a beach ball. I'm believing you for a beach ball. And so immediately, I believe that I've received it. I can't touch it, but I believe that I receive it. And I look over here in this visible realm to see if I have the beach ball and I don't see it. And it's when I don't see it that the enemy comes in and says, ah, your prayer didn't get answered. And we talked about that last week, that this realm called the visible is actually the realm, if you would, of the five senses. Can you guys see this in the back? You can? Okay, good. It's the realm of the five senses. And the five senses, what I can taste, touch, smell, hear, or see. If it doesn't line up with those five, well then, by and large, I don't have what I'm, what I'm praying for. Because everything I'm praying for, I can either touch, I can see, I can feel, I mean, I can smell. And so when I don't see that, the enemy comes in like a flood to accuse God to me or accuse or tell me he's not heard you, there's something wrong with you, or there's something wrong with him based on this realm right here. Now, the, 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 the great thing is, is the five senses work independently of each other. So I can taste what I don't hear. I can smell what I don't see. They work independent, right? So this morning I was getting ready. I heard the sound of an, I heard an ambulance driving by our street. I didn't see the ambulance, but I heard it. I didn't doubt the existence of the ambulance because I didn't see it, right? So, in what we talked about, in the analogy of what we were talking about last week, or let me just say this. So in this verse, a couple of instructions we need to, or a couple of things we need to be on the same page. Jesus is instructing us, he's actually instructing us, when you pray for something, believe that you have already received it. So the word belief, so if we're to believe that we have already received it in its invisible state, even though we're looking for the, the visible side of this thing, the question is, because I'm so used to putting my faith, it, it, the way I'm wired is, is I'll believe it when I see it. When I see it, I'll believe it. The, uh, the religious leaders in Jesus' day said, show us a sign. Show us a sign and we'll believe. What did Jesus say? Oh, only a perverse and adulterous generation asked for a sign. So it's not the way, it's not the way of faith. But what we're talking about is, is the principle, if you would, of faith. And so, so in this verse, we need to be, we need to understand that Jesus is instructing us to believe when it's invisible. With me on that? He also, according to to this verse, is instructing us that we actually receive it in the invisible. Okay. It's okay. So the, let me just tell you, if you don't, don't let go of this because you don't understand it, hold on to it. Because what's happening is it goes into your spirit first and then comes out through understanding second. We're so used to not allowing anything into our spirit unless we understand it. 
That's not how it works. So don't discard what I'm saying because you don't understand it. Faith comes by hearing. So if you don't have faith, don't worry about it. It comes. Faith comes. Okay? So, when I pray, I go to the visible to see if I have my answer. And the thing that I want to share, the thing that, I, that we talked about last week is what if, let me present something, what if faith was actually a sixth sense? That would make it easier for us to understand how it works. And it being a sixth, sixth sense, say that three times real fast. Sixth sense, sixth sense, that's it. Sixth sense, it also can work independently of the other five. So what that means is, is if we're on the premise of it being a sense and understanding that what I taste, I don't see, and what I hear, I don't touch. If we are on that premise, then naturally what I receive by faith is not relegated to what the five senses either see, hear, taste, or don't taste, or hear. It's a standalone sense. It should have the same permission to be a sense just like the other five. We give the other five permission to be a sense. With me? So, if faith was a sixth sense, then that means that what we take by faith is non-existent to these other five. If you doubt the existence of what you see because you, we don't doubt what we have taken by faith because we don't see, smell, or taste it, okay? So if that's the case, then why doubt the existence? I'm saying this over and over. Why doubt the existence of what we have taken by faith just because we don't see, hear, face, or, or feel it? I was, uh, well, I'll keep going. So, Hebrews chapter one, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse one says this, faith is the evidence of things that we cannot see. So just to extrapolate, if you would, the thought that I'm, or the, the, the premise that I'm talking about right now with faith being the possibility of it being a sense, we could substitute the word faith here to, to try to draw out that point. In that, we would say, so perfume is the evidence of things that we cannot see. We'd all be okay with that. Why? Because you can't see perfume. You can smell perfume. I can't see it. I can't see the perfume that you're wearing. I can smell it. But perfume is the evidence of things that we cannot see. And so in this correlation of what I'm talking about, faith can actually fall into the same category. Okay? So faith is actually believing what God says despite the contrary evidence of our senses. Faith, when we are operating in faith, because it's a standalone sense, it means that we've left the realm, if you would, of the five senses when we operate in faith. Those five senses do not dictate what I believe or what I receive or what I take by faith. So having said that, so I tell you, when you pray for something, believe that you have already received it, then it will be yours. When I believe that I have already received it, 
It puts what I'm believing for in the past. And I want to, I want to land, if you would, on this thought about the past. Because throughout scripture, God, when he speaks, he speaks in the past. Specifically in the past. It's kind of, it's, it's kind of strange what he do, uh, how he does this or why he does this. But he speaks in the past. And so <clears throat> the thing that also that I, I want to, the, the point that I want to make also is in order for me to receive something, it means it's already been given. Again, if we're trying to analyze what I just said through the five senses, you're going to wind up at a dead end. So in order for me to receive something, when you pray for something, believe that you have already received it. Well, that would constitute that that's already been given to me. Okay? And so it's with that, with, with the thing that I want to point out is the way that God speaks to us sometimes is he uses the past on purpose. He speaks in the past tense on purpose. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Uh, Joshua chapter six. If you have your Bibles, turn to Joshua chapter six. Let me set this up. In Joshua chapter six, so basically uh, Israel uh, uh, has been out in the wilderness for about 40 years and it's time for them to go into the promised land. And so Moses has passed away. Moses has died. Joshua is now the new leader and they cross over the river Jordan and the first city that they have to conquer or, or to take over is actually Jericho. And Jericho is not like any other city that they've seen. Jericho is this fortified city. It's this massive city with massive walls around it. And the walls are so thick that they actually have chariot races that go, that, that go around the top of it. So they, they're headed there and the Lord is saying, this is the, the third city that I want you to take. Look at this in, in uh, Joshua chapter six, verse two. Look at what the Lord says. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. Now, the thing that you need to understand is, that we need to understand is, Jericho's still standing. And God is telling Joshua, see, I've given you Jericho. Somebody's smoking something. It's like, what are, what are you, like, I, I think Joshua's, you know, it's like going, I believe you, but it's still sitting there. And so I don't know, I don't know what you're talking about. And uh, I, so I was thinking about this verse and I was thinking, you know, what are the things, so if I could say this without, bless God's heart. <laughs> but no, because he, sometimes I think he gets a bad rap. In that, it's like, you know, because we don't understand him, you know? And so the, in order to understand God and his perspective, we have to also understand what is his perspective. I remember uh, John Paul Jackson came to our church several years ago, and he did this great analogy. He set up two chairs just like this, one here, one here. He said, this is the beginning of time. This is the end of time. God lives outside of time. Okay, so he lives outside of time. He's not bound by time. He lives outside of time. That's why the word of God lasts forever. 
It's not bound by time. The prophetic words that you've received about your life, they don't have an end to it. Just because the prophetic word, just because it didn't happen when you thought it was going to happen, doesn't mean that that word's dead. So I envision God being so excited about Joshua and what's about to happen. And he breaks in and goes, hey, see, I have given you Jericho. But where God is talking from, he's talking from the past. He's talking from, this has already happened. Where I sit, this this has already happened. See, I've given you Jericho. But in the present where Joshua is, he's going, I don't see it. But God is saying, oh, no, no, it's already happened. Where I sit, it's already happened. I've already given it to you. So the dilemma here with Joshua is, is is he going to believe what he sees? What his five senses are telling him? Or is he going to believe what he says? And that is the issue of faith. Do you believe what you see or do you believe what he says? Because from his perspective, he's outside of time. It's according to him, it's already happened. You know what's really cool about that? Is that for you... For, the really cool thing about that, one, there's several really cool things about that, God living outside of time. One of them is, is he planned your life. There's a reason why you're not living in China in 300 BC. Because he had a purpose for you to live in 2020. The other cool thing is, is that since he lives outside of time, he knows the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning. He knows your life from the beginning to the end. And he is meticulously also provided for you provision for every problem. Every problem, there's provision. Oh, they're going to need that. They'll need, they're going to need gas right here. They're going to need every problem. There's provision that he's provided for. So anyway, I got lost. So the issue here is that God is saying, look, I have given you the victory. I've given you the victory. Can you see it? Even though there is nothing on the horizon that even speaks to any sort of a remote sense of victory. But Joshua was faced with the the fact, do I believe what God says or do I believe what I see? All right, another example is Genesis 17. In Genesis 17, God is talking to Abraham and it's right where, this is the verse where God says, your name is not going to be called Abram anymore, which is exalted father. Your name is going to be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. Look at the verb tense. I have made, it's already done. Even though at the time that Abraham received this word, there was nothing He had no son. He had no heir. He had no child. So what do you do? Do you believe what God says or do you believe what you see? Apparently, he believed what God said. So God said, no longer are you called an exalted father, which is Abram. You are called the father of many nations. And what happened? Abraham took the new name change. 
even though he didn't see it. Can you imagine how awkward that is? Honey, I um, just want to tell you, I don't want you to call me Abram anymore. I want you to call me Abraham. <laughs> Ex- father of many nations. Okay. And I'm a unicorn. No. And so, so Abraham is going around and he's having to tell, to tell his entire staff, guys, we're going to have this meeting. Um, I know all of you had, if you, if you could just pass my business card over to the left and uh, someone can go by and pick that up because now I have a new business card and the new business card says, my name is Abraham, father of many nations. It's like, Wow. So he, even though he couldn't see it, he accepted it based on what God said. Okay, so the thing about it is, here's what I wanna say. God is speaking from the past tense. From God's perspective, when he speaks from the past tense, he is inferring it is done. It's already done. Okay, so... The question then is if God is speaking in the past tense to Abraham, is he offering a blessing or is he promising a blessing? It's radically different. Is he offering the blessing Or is he promising a blessing? The promise has to do with something coming in the future. If if he's promising a blessing, then actually his English is off. If he's promising a blessing, he said, for your name will be Abraham, for I will make you a father of many nations, which he will, which he does, which he did. And for some of you, their translations actually say will make, but all the other translations say have made. If he, if this language is actually reflecting that he's actually offering a blessing, that's a completely different thing. Abraham, I have made you a father of many nations. From where I stand, it's done. I can see the nations. So would you accept this gift that I'm offering you? That's faith. We accept it. We don't see it. To the natural man... The evidences of an answered prayer has to do with it showing up in our five senses and not until then. In the spiritual, to the spiritual man, the evidences, let me just say this, the, evidences, the evidence that faith rests on is actually the word of God. Faith will not work, it doesn't rest on the same evidences as the five senses. It rests 
solely on the word of God. That is the the potting soil for faith to work. It's what he says versus what I see. Hope. There's a difference between hope and faith. Some of us, I personally, have gotten faith and hope mixed up. Hope expects a blessing in the future. Faith takes what God offers now. (laughs) Hope is expecting a blessing sometime in the future. Faith takes what's offered now. First Peter 2.24. Listen, listen to the verb tense. Look at the language. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross for by his wounds you were healed. Is this an offered blessing? Or is it a promised blessing? Now realize, you don't have any, you, 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 the results are not up to us. The when, the where, the how. All we do is believe. Accept what he's offering. It's an offered blessing. <clears throat> Some say, I've heard this, I can't remember, uh, someone in my family God will heal me in his own good time. We go to pray for them. It's great. In the future is what they're referring to. That statement is actually hope. It's not faith. Faith takes what God offers now. So a lot of us, I, I, let me just say, not, not you, I have often thought that what I was believing for, I was, I was believing in hope rather than taking what the Lord was offering now. It's like, wow. Now here's the thing. Once I take what God is delivering to me now, the next thing that happens is, is the five senses want to jump up and go, where is it? I don't look any different. Don't feel any different. Still have that whatever. Where is it? And then another round of warfare begins to happen. And the thing that we have to constantly renew this with is the word of God. It's based on what he says, not on what I see. And so the scales probably, the scales can be tipped. The scales are not balanced. The scales are more, I put more weight in what I see than what he says. And the whole thing about renewing our mind is to get the scales to tip to where I'm more concerned about what he says than what I see. The reason that I am telling us this is that we are called to live, to do great exploits with God, for God, with God. Great exploits. Can I just tell you, those great exploits only come by faith. Second Corinthians says, 
For we live by believing, not by seeing. We live by believing. Where do we believe? I just held it up for you. In the invisible. We live by believing. We believe while it's still invisible, not by what we see. I'd said this last week, just to reiterate, it's really hard for us to grab something. How do we believe in the invisible? So we talked about last week, forgiveness is invisible. How do you receive forgiveness if it's invisible? Oh, by faith. There for a second, I was like, am I in the wrong church? <laughs> we receive it by faith. Then what we receive, if we can receive forgiveness by faith, why can't we receive the promise that he's given us by faith? Why can't we hold on to the promise that he's given us regardless of what our five senses see or, do, or don't see? Why can't we hold on know that, knowing that he is true to his word? Come hail or high water, I am not going to let go of the promise that he's given me. For some of us, we've accused God of not coming through for us. It wasn't him. Somehow he's convinced us to let, the enemy's convinced us or we became so discouraged that we let go of the promise. That's the only way that the enemy can steal it from us. I'll read you this in closing. Romans 1, 16 and 17. I'm gonna read this out of the New American Standard. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Now, I wanna read you another translation. I'm gonna put it up here. It's from the complete Jewish Bible that says the same verse, verses like this. For I am not ashamed of the good news since it is God's powerful means of bringing salvation to everyone who keeps on trusting. To the Jew especially, but equally to the Gentile. For in it is revealed how God makes people righteous in his sight. And from beginning to end, it is through trust. As the Tanakh puts it, but the person who is righteous will live his life by trust. That's what faith is. Trust. Do we trust what he says or do we trust what we see? Let's stand. So Lord, I, oh, I, Lord, I ask Lord for, for, for grace and mercy. Thank you, Lord. Your mercies are new every morning. Every morning, your mercy is new. It, your mercy is newer than the, than the day before. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you're a God of the second chance. You're a God of the third chance. You're a God of the second. I feel like that some of us have, again, let go of the promise that, that God has given specifically to you because of discouragement, because of giving up, because of being tired, being weary. Lord, I ask, Lord, I ask, Lord, for a fresh start. Lord, I ask, Lord, for fresh faith. I ask, Lord, that you would help us delineate the voice, your voice and the voices that are talking to us that we think are your voice, Lord.
Thank you, Lord, that your word says that all things work together for good. To those who are called according to his purpose. Thank you, Lord, that no plans of yours can be changed or thwarted, hijacked. None of your plans can be hijacked for our lives. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.